Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Open Concessions podcast presented by Toyota. We feature a weekly in-depth conversation with a Chicago Cubs, or in this case, Major League Baseball-related personality. We are your hosts alongside Jim Deshays. I'm Len Casper, the Cubs television tandem. How are you, J.D.? I'm well, Len. How are you this uh, this fine morning? Uh, doing great. Uh, looking forward to uh, getting the season uh, underway in uh, just over a week, and uh, we'll talk more about that uh, a little later. Our guest today is longtime ESPN Major League Baseball play-by-play man John Shambi. Uh, John and I uh, worked together in Florida when he did radio for the Marlins. I did television at the time. We are roughly the same age, so we kind of come at it uh, from a similar perspective. And I know you know John Boog Shambi really well. Yeah, I'm really anxious to to uh, spend a few minutes with, with Boog. He's a, a fun guy, sharp guy, and uh, he always has good takes on on the state of the game. And I want to get some dirt on Len Casper too. Oh, you will. I have no doubts about that. <laughs> so without further delay, enjoy our conversation with John Boog Shambi. Boog, how are you today? Good to talk to you, man. Good to talk to you guys. Doing well here in New York City and uh, getting ready to do KBO baseball tomorrow and then Major League Baseball next week. Yeah, let's start with the, the KBO stuff. Uh, so <laughs> some interesting hours you are keeping in terms of the uh, the game times in Korea, and you're calling the games from home. Uh, what has that process been like for you? The sleep component has been especially challenging because for a 5.25 a.m. Eastern time game. I'm getting up at around 3. And it's just been kind of wacky on so many different fronts. From a technical standpoint, we're effectively taking a Zoom call feed of a Korean broadcast. We have control over nothing as it relates to the shots they're showing us, their production elements, their replays. We can squeeze back the screen and do graphics and that type of thing, but it's pretty limited. So it effectively would be like turning the volume down on a big league broadcast and trying to do play-by-play and color over that and not knowing what's coming next. And then, you know, there are the names. There's learning an entire league. There's the fact that two different times, 10 minutes to air, they've said, Okay, so the game that you were going to do got rained out. Um, you're going to do a different game. So, uh, so there's that. And then, you know, just the technical standpoint, we turned it into a little bit of a talk show. We've had guests on to talk major league to, to help inform us on KBO. So I, I basically describe it as like three hours of log rolling, and you're just trying not to fall in. And every once in a while, they, they tossed me some chainsaws, and I juggle those too while I'm on the block. <laughs> but even with all that, um, they sing a song about you, though, right? They're cheerleaders, correct. and there's the the, the Boog Shambi song. I mean, so it's yeah. all worth it, right? I mean, once you get that. Once you get to that point, J.D., it really um, it's fulfilling. And I do find myself wandering around the house. It's nice when you're singing a song where the main lyrics – 
are your name. So you're basically speaking in third person and I'm just wandering around the house doing a little bit of cleaning or whatever. And I'm just gently, you know, humming ESPN, Bukshambi, wow. You know, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been super. It's been super. Uh, quality of play. I know there are uh, some former major league players. Uh, Dan Straley, uh, an ex-Cub, yeah. uh, is pitching in that league. Uh, what's what's the quality of play like? So everybody wants to convert it to one level. I think I convert the three segments. So I, I would start with they can hit. And it's not like Japan in terms of the bodies are different. They're bigger bodies. It's not small ball. There's not a lot of bunting. You you have guys that that swing hard and and really know how to hit. And that is the discipline that they concentrate on the most in Korea is hitting. So that's the best level. I would say every lineup, even the non-foreign players, has probably two to three guys that are, I think, could probably swing on a major league roster. I think it's triple A-ish level hitting um the seven eight nine guys on most teams are are not particularly capable pitching is the stuff is nowhere near the average fastball in the league is 88.3 miles an hour but there is craft pitchability guys know what they're doing the one aspect that's really been disappointing that's hard is the defense I, I think that the defense is probably not even quite to the level of um, the top level SEC or ACC college baseball programs. It's just fundamentally unsound. They're not particularly athletic. The outfield arms are really bad. Um, I would say twice a game, legitimately twice a game, a play is not made that I'm sitting there going, wow, that's bad. So. That's the, the kind of the way I'd put it together. They can hit. The pitching is very, you know, American League, 1980s, pitch backwards, pick, pick, pick type stuff, flipping a lot of breaking stuff in there, a lot of 1-0, 2-1 counts, and the defense is bad. Hmm. Interesting. So as you now get ready for a major league season, and I believe you're going to call games remotely uh, from the studio, correct? Uh, to begin. And to then, begin? And then sort of TBD. So, I, you know, I'm going to be in studio to begin, but my partners will be at home. Okay. So you're, you're ready to go. I mean, you've been calling games off a monitor for, yeah. for quite some time. Uh, yeah. We're going to have the booth shot. Uh, they have a, a locked-off camera, I guess, what they call the high-home shot. Do you have that available for KBO? Because no. to me, that's the key uh, shot you need to have because I'm guessing for you the the most challenging call off a program monitor is the ball in the gap where you've got bases loaded. So who's scoring? Where's the ball? And, and you're trying to keep track of everything, right? So yes, it, in fact, when we started to move towards MLB, they asked me what's one thing that needs to change or what you'd need. And that's what I said, basically the baseball version of all 22. So we're going to have a locked off high home and that will be pretty crucial just because there's so many components to where the defense sets up, where the ball's going, how well the ball's hit, all of that. 
So I, I think that that is the number one thing that'll change that will be helpful, you know, help, helpful for us to, to have. And then, yeah, there's, there are other little shot things that we're going to be able, I think, you know, Sunday night, obviously we'll control all the cameras, but even on when we're taking your feed, I think we may have a camera or two that we um, have access to manipulating on our own. So, but the high home shot is is crucial to really call it because also remember, I'm not just doing, it's especially crucial for calling games on the radio because, you know, in order to describe and really talk about where the ball's going and what's happening, you've got to have that locked off high home shot. Or you could just make it up. There is that too, and I've been yeah, doing. Uh, yeah, if you're, if, if you're doing radio and nobody's actually seeing the pictures, it could it's, it's whatever you want it to be. This is correct. This is absolutely correct. Well, how's it been? I mean, how was that for? I mean, you guys haven't done it yet. Where uh, you haven't done it? You've done it from the ballpark, correct? We've been at the park. We have one road game uh, before we start uh, an exhibition game, but uh, yeah, we've been at the park and. Those games have been, we we did a scrimmage last night, and JD can chime in. But other than the fake crowd noise, everything and and no fans in the stands, everything else felt pretty normal to me. Right. Uh, I want to get back to baseball, but you uh, are not only a New York City native, uh, you live in New York currently, and you guys went through hell. Um, how are things now, and what was that like? over the last three months? Um, it was hard and odd, and it's weird to see the city this way. I mean, look, one of the, you know, most seismic events in our country's history is September 11th. And yet, I don't, I, I, you know, this, the, the stretch of a month from basically you know, March 18th to around April 18th. Well, it was incredible the way, I mean, you'd have to work hard to get hit by a car in the city. You know, like it, it's, I mean, I can, I will, I, I've put them up on social media, but I could walk down to Park Avenue, you know, in the seventies and inside of 30 seconds, I could take a picture down Park Avenue that would, capture the MetLife building and again inside of 30 seconds and not have a single car in it at 11:30 in the morning wow and it, it was just it was like i am legend it was something out of a movie and i i am not someone that uh i'm not an anxious person by nature and yet that stretch of just going out to the stores a couple of times a day. Did I touch my face? Was my mask up? It was, it was stressful. And I mean, you still feel it now, but I'd say 85 to 90% of the folks outside are wearing masks. New York City in the summer shuts down a bit, so it's naturally quieter. And yet even with that, it's distinctly different than it was in March, April, and May than now. Now, I mean, you know, the other day on a Thursday in the afternoon, there was bumper-to-bumper traffic on 2nd Avenue near where I live. So it's still quiet. I, I, I think, I, and, and you notice 
you know, how many stores are closed? So I think even now the average person coming here would, would notice a significant difference. And yeah, it's, it's hard. It's, uh, it's weird to see my city this way. And I haven't, I, you know, I've wandered to the park and gone down South, but consistently when I live in this city, I'm all over the city. And during this stretch, I've really stayed in a much more, uh, closed area kind of encompassed by the area around my house give or take like you know i'd say a a half mile to a mile in in each direction so boog new yorkers fairly or unfairly are oftentimes characterized as being a little edgy a little prickly uh do you anticipate a, a kinder softer new yorker going forward that would kind of be disappointing wouldn't it i mean i you know what i i always I maintain this. I I don't think I I would probably disagree with you in terms of I think that that's the perception here. Here's my two cent take would be this on New Yorkers. I think this is what people misinterpret. There are so many people in this city that it creates this natural situation where every person is just paying attention to themselves. There's so many people that it's such it's like white noise that it's like every person is surrounded by this bubble. So they give off a real indifference or um, active aggression that I don't think is actually so. I think it's what people from outside feel, but it's just what gets created by the size of the population density and the way the buildings are on top of each other. But I've always maintained that if you were to puncture the bubble of the average New Yorker stranger and ask them for help. You know, I'm someone that's had a bunch of surgeries, you know, over the course of the last six, seven years and been on crutches a lot in the city and the kindness that's been, you know, shown to me. So I I would ultimately say that if you, if you puncture that bubble, I I do think that, that New York city residents are kind and good people. And there's plenty of connection to be had. Um, I think people are still stressed about it. I think New York's handled it well, but you still see, you know, people getting agitated when people aren't wearing masks and and that that type of thing. So that's my that's my New York City take. <laughs> yeah, I kind of agree with you. I th- I think uh, the attitude in New York is this is crazy. This is nuts. Welcome. Let's go. Here we go. As opposed to what are you doing here? I think there is an understanding that. It's an international city. Uh, they know that a lot of people there are not from there. And yeah. you just kind of have to get on that carousel. Uh, there are other cities that are not so friendly where it's like, oh, you're not from here. But I, I haven't gotten that vibe in New York other than it's just really fast paced. Yeah, that's that's why I brought it up. I wanted Boog to have a chance to defend his, his fair city. When I went to college, uh, being from the most rural parts of northern New York, um, and and it was, was the first time I was exposed to to guys from the city, and initially I was like, oh my goodness! I mean, because they were loud and they were <laughs> so these guys are insane. And then the most of the most of them proved to be the, the best friends I ever had while I was in college. I mean, it's just it's just a different vibe, a different a different pace, but uh, wonderful people. I can remember, by the way, I don't know whether JD, whether you remember this, but I was uh, I don't even know what I was doing, where I was going, but. I was around Grand Central one day, 
I don't know how many years ago, but you were with the Astros and we ran into each other on the street right around. You were obviously staying with, you're with the Astros. You're staying at that Hyatt. Right. But do you remember that? Just running into each other. Like it was like on Vanderbilt or right around there. Literally just, I mean, just two people recognizing each other in New York city, just bumping into each other. Yeah. Well, twice in the last three years, I've been walking back to my hotel from lunch and I bumped into a guy I went to college with. Oh, I like, and I, and I, so I just like, hey, hey, Murph. And we just kept walking. Hey, Murph, how you doing, man? It's like, oh, that's great. I haven't seen him in 30 years. Well, in the uh, the 03 World Series, <clears throat> when Boog and I were with the Marlins being on the team bus going from that Hyatt uh, to the Bronx, <laughs> I mean, just everybody knew, everybody who did know it was the, the Florida Marlins team bus. I mean, they were giving us the finger, but it was like, it was fun and it was funny, right? Yeah. It didn't come off as nasty. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. the and the, the guy, the, 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 the iconic one was, was that guy, whenever you left the Grand Hyatt on the team bus, there was a men's store uh, just up the street a little bit. And as the bus passed by, he, he'd sneak out of the store. He, he ran it, managed it, worked there, and he'd moon the bus. And it was like every day, every yep. day on your way to the ballpark, that guy would come out and moon the bus. Super Joe from Portobello. Yeah. <laughs> I never knew his name. So that's yep. it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So as we tie these two things together here, um, JD and I talk all the time on and off the air about our concerns of whether or not uh, Major League Baseball and all the other sports can, can pull this off. And it, 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 you say day to day, but it truly feels day to day. What's your, your big concern about uh, how Major League Baseball is navigating through this? Ooh, uh, I don't even know that I could that I could say that there's one. I think that it it feels just feels unsteady. It feels like there's eight billion questions that we could ask to leadership types and get I don't know as an answer. I mean, I, I'm sure you guys have discussed this, but like what happened the other day at your workout and a pending test, and you could tweak it a million times. But what if that's a one o'clock game? Are those guys coming to the park? What if it's somebody wakes up at 9 a.m. with symptoms, gets tested, and you know he's had contact with a lot of people, um, and the test isn't done by one o'clock? Is he allowed to play? Are the people that were in contact with him allowed to play? Let's say he gets tested, and he's positive and you play, but he doesn't play and you're a road team. Now, you know, all these people have had contact with him. Do you let all those people get on a plane together? Also, does that guy then just stay in a hotel with symptoms? And it's like, all right, see you later. Let us know how you're feeling. Um, I, there's a million of them and, I, and no one has an answer for it. And I don't know. I don't know what we do. And then the other part of it is. I think this is a big one. A day game or whatever, a positive test. I mean, I'll use your players just as a hypothetical. But Anthony Rizzo tests positive. The ripple effect in that clubhouse, if at 2 o'clock it's found out that Anthony Rizzo tests pop, These guys are going to be on their phones. Chris Bryant's going to call his wife and be like, should I play? Jason Hayward's, do I need to play? Like the, the, the intangible emotional effect of in season, somebody testing positive close to a game, I think it's going to freak some people out. And I just, 
I, when I start to go through some of these, there is a part of me that's like, what are we doing? It's a great, yeah. And I think, you know, all those questions are legit and they are unanswerable. And I think, you know, I think some of the, the answers are a little obvious. And that is if, if a prominent player mid-season, right before the game is told he's tested positive, that's going to freak everybody out. I think the way tougher and the more likely scenario is the one about the test results. And, and JD, we talked about our team's going to be essentially responsible for themselves if seven or eight tests are not back and it's a starting pitcher and it's a big game. <laughs> Do you hold your own players out? Does MLB have some sort of representative at every ballpark that is administering this stuff? It's, it's, it's really I, I would, a gray area. Yeah, I would think MLB would – uh, if they haven't already, uh, would be putting together some guidelines for how teams should universally address that situation. I don't think you could, should leave it up to the individual clubs because I think some clubs are going to be, um, by nature, just a little more mindful than others. So, um, yeah, <laughs> and I don't know what, what, what the guideline is, um, but, but my hunch would be if, 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 if there's no clarity on testing, then those players should probably be kept away from the ballpark. Um, but again, it's yeah, it's, it's the, the analogy I made the other day was that you're you're behind somebody trying to learn how to skate, and and they're wobbling and they're about to go down, and you're just hoping they stay up. So that's yeah. that's kind of where we're at. I think the other thing is, look, not to this is a conversation we've all had, you know, off uh, the air. But I would just make this point. I know, for me, ridiculously, this has turned into something that's gotten politicized. But I would make the point that one thing that bothers me is that risk in some arguments is classified only as death. And what I would make the point is go ask Freddie Freeman and Tommy Hadovy if they think what happened to them would be considered you're risking something for that to happen. It's a rhetorical question. Yeah. And I'm not saying I know that that doesn't happen to everyone. It's the thing. We, they still don't know so many things about this. Why does it affect some people so powerfully and other people less powerfully? They're not sure, but um, there's risk involved that doesn't involve death, and you can't have everybody getting sick. Just can't. And, and I would also say and uh, we all talk to a lot of people inside the game. We're talking players, managers, coaches, uh, front office people. These are conversations they're all having. I, I have not gotten uh, any sort of pushback from anyone personally or specifically saying, ah, yeah, we're, we're fine. I, I think everybody's concern level, Boog, is, is red, right? It's not even orange. I mean, I think everyone understands all these questions. JD, I, I'll give you this, and this is completely anecdotal, but just to get your take on it. Think about if this were taking place, say, 10, 15 years ago, because I would volunteer. I think this is correct. Again, it's anecdotal. But wouldn't you guys say the average age of coaches has declined? Like, I mean, think about all the guys you've been around as coaches that are that 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 are not they're still on the field, but there aren't as many of them. But think how many more of them there were 15 years ago that would be in a super vulnerable place that they would be absolutely 
in the vulnerable group. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, that, uh, some coaches have, have opted out. Um, and, and yeah, back in the day, I, I just think back to some of those clubs I was on. Now it's a lot more than 10 or 15 years ago, but I would say the average age of our coaching staff was average age was probably, you know, 65 ish. on right. Some of those staffs. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, I guess we're lucky in, in that regard that it's a, it's a younger group, a less vulnerable group. Um, but, you know, Art Howe, uh, and, and yeah. Artie's like 72 or three now, and he, he, he was hospitalized with this and, uh, he's in great physical shape. And as far as I know, no underlying uh, issues other than the fact that he's, he's, you know, of a certain age. All right. I have to ask you this on behalf of all Cubs fans, Boog, why do you hate our team? I just do. I just know <laughs> we will. So this, <laughs> all right, I, for, for the fans who don't know what I'm getting yeah. at, this is something Boog and I and Joe Buck, we all talk about. The national broadcasters, yeah. the, the joke is, whatever team it is, I hate your team. And the idea yeah. is that every game you call, both sides yeah. think you hate their team. How, how, do you, how do you deal with that? Don't care. I really don't at this point. I find it. It's one of those things that it, there's just a certain silliness. I'm not going to be able to sprinkle the, the world with self-awareness. It's just the way it goes. I mean, look, I, I will tell you this. So you guys are awesome and good friends, and uh, and the Cubs fans love you. But, Len Casper, there's a segment of the population, um, that of the Cubs population, that if I really went – steered this conversation and we started to talk no hitters there's a segment of the Cubs population that would want to punch you in the face because you and I share the same sensibility and that is that you and I have this fan base thinks an ability to jinx no hitters which we don't and after five innings I am going to Jake Arrieta's throwing a no hitter and I'm going to tell you he's throwing a no hitter and I'm going to keep telling you he's throwing a no hitter um sorry but I look I anyway I I get it. You know, people want to – I think the other thing is they just get used to it. And so what ends up happening is anything positive is hurt. I think even for you guys at times, anything positive is hurt as neutral and anything negative is hurt as actively negative. I don't think they they hear the, 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 the fans don't hear it um, with a – yeah, with an objective ear. They They hear it through the prism of um, going into it thinking that for some reason we're beefing with the Cubs. Well, I think, I think Joe has an incredibly difficult time because of his father being the longtime yeah. voice of the Cardinals, and I think Cub fans are, are really sensitive to that. Um, but we, we all know Joe really well. He, he loves the Cubs, and he, I wouldn't say he was actively rooting for the Cubs to win the 2016 World Series, if the Indians had won it, it, it would have been a great story. But he was excited, he, he, and he should have been to to yeah. be the man to call uh, that the final out uh, to to clinch the first World Series championship in 108 years. But there are a lot of Cub fans who will never uh, understand that and never agree with yeah. it. But that's just the way it is. I'm with you. It, it's look. I don't even contemplate it. I think that it gets. It certainly gets elevated slash exacerbated um, by social media, but it's just, it's, it's one of those things you, you know, there's a, I mean, Twitter is a complaining platform 
And the one the one that I get as a national guy, if, if there's one way to push my butt, like for the most part, people want to beef. Why, you, you know, you have bias against the Cubs. Also, by the way, for those of you writing on Twitter, the next time you're accusing me of bias, you got to remember that it's biased, like with an E and a D <laughs> when you're tweeting at me. Um, you're showing bias against the Cubs or you're biased. You got to remember the E and the D because a lot of times you guys, when you're angry and you tweet at me, you forget to include it. Um, but the other point is there's nothing that pushes my button more than this one. And this happens to me not a lot. It's like 10, I'd say like 12 times a year, 10, 12 times a year. And that is this. Somebody will tweet at me to correct me for something that I said wrongly on a game broadcast that I'm not doing. <laughs> it's amazing. And then you tweet at them and say, you know, I'm not doing the game. You feel like taking a moment and, you know, maybe just meditating for a second on the idea that you're actually doing the thing, not doing your homework on who's broadcasting the game that you're accusing the broadcaster of doing. Oh yeah. Yeah, we I think it was a Baez home run in San Diego and the the Cubs Twitter account posted the home run but it had Don Orsillo's call. <laughs> and I got the Len you could get a little more excited for a Baez home run and Really? What are you going to do? Right? Love that. Well, the problem, the problem you have, Boog, is you you have to be anti-Cub because you're saddled up next to to Sut, and he's you know he's so pro-Cub, you have no choice but to take the other side. Well, I te- I mean, I I said to him one broadcast, I said, how many times are you going to drop we on the air tonight? <laughs> you know, so I, it, we have fun with it, and to be honest, look, Sut's connected to the Cubs. I still feel like he's capable of doing a credible job um, in those games. It's not ideal for sure, but, you know, you're discussing what's taking place on the field. I, yeah, it, it's, but I also love giving him a hard time about it as well. Right. Uh, we have a, uh, a little uh, mystery guest thing here that we're going to do. But before I do that, yeah. Boog, I want to ask you about David Ross, your now mm-hmm. former broadcasting partner. Yeah, and uh, your thoughts on him as a big league manager? I think he's going to do really well. I, there's, the, I, I don't think I have anything to add that hasn't been written. I mean, I've been asked about it a lot. I talked, you know, we worked for the last, I guess, three years. Wait, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, last three years, and it was a blast. I knew David from his days. You know, I met him as a big league broadcaster, but then I got to know him when he was a player with the Braves. So we had that connection, developed trust. And I think he was just longing for competition. You know, I've been, are we allowed to curse on this? No, it's fine. You can curse if you'd like. We'll, we'll yeah. bleep it out if we need to. Right. So my thing on David Ross is, and Len knows me well enough that I fall into this category as well. But yeah, David Ross, sneaky like he just he's just one of those guys it's like oh david ross is so nice the dancing with the stars guy i love him not nah, david ross a little bit of an asshole. and i have it too i do you know what i mean like but he but he he's sweet and so like the one thing that i i said 
Yes, Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant, those guys, and Jason, they're friends. And he will have no problem airing them out or directly saying his ability to lead and lead people that are close to him, I, in my opinion, will not be a problem in any way, shape, or form. I think he's going to be excellent at it. I think that as a manager, there will be, not that the game is as challenging tactically now, but I do think there's just that all these things become automatic in your head um, after a whole bunch of reps. And so I think he's going to do a really good job. And I, I think they made a, a good choice. It, it, he was an obvious choice for obvious reasons. And in my opinion, in this instance, those reasons are correct. He will be very good. Dear adventurers, enjoy a summer of excitement with Toyota. Keep it wild in the rugged 4Runner. With its heritage of toughness, the 4Runner is ready for just about anything. Take charge in the 2020 Camry and conquer mountain roads with its available all-wheel drive. Or plan an epic road trip and get comfy while you cruise with your crew in the roomy Highlander Hybrid. And drive confidently all the way with electric on-demand all-wheel drive. Whichever you choose in a Toyota, you're sure to make the most of summer. Soak it up, Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealer or toyota.com to learn more. Mystery guest, can you hear us? Hello. Can you hear me? Uh, John <laughs> Shambi is with sign us. Sign in, please. Can, can you, yes, can you... Um, can you speak a little more loudly? So maybe. Can, hello. Hello. Can you hear me? Is it? Are you there? It's Larry. It's Larry King. Hello. <laughs> Seattle. Hello. One man. All right, Boog, you, you can ask mystery guest questions to try to figure out his identity. How about that? This is amazing. Um, and I don't know who this is. Mystery guest, have we ever worked together? Yes. Yes, we have. Wow, I'm trying. I I want to hear your voice more, but you're 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 are you you're masking your voice a little bit with a terrible type of uh, impersonation, huh? Yes, I am. Delighted to see you. <laughs> you are amazing. Um, Jason Benetti, welcome to the podcast. I love this. You're thank fun. thank you so much. I, you know what? I got to tell you something. If you hadn't done it, I don't think I was going to get it. I don't think uh, I was going to get it. And one man, you, you did really turn very hard, Boog. And 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 then the other part of it, yeah, it's hard. Benetti, good lord, Benetti. I was going to do. I was going to do a movie preview of you as Syndrome from The Incredibles, like <laughs> one man's journey against a family of elastic people. <laughs> All right. So, and the best part is. Up until a month ago, my first question would have been, no, we haven't worked together. Yes. Jason Benetti and I got to work together on a KBO game. And I, I will tell you from the bottom of my heart, it was as fun as anything I've done in a long time. Like, it was so much fun. We just, oh my gosh, was it a blast. Uh, I feel the same way. I got off. I got off the, the that game, 
and called you immediately. <laughs> and what you what you said was perfect. You know, like Boog says, you know, sometimes uh, people say that was more fun than I expected or that was less fun than I expected. That was as fun as I expected. And that's great. Yeah, <laughs> it was exactly as fun as I expected. I mean, Len and I have talked about for years wanting to to do like a radio game together or something like that. And every year, Dan Shulman and I call a radio game together and we have a blast, but oh my gosh, Jason. And then Len, a couple of times on the broadcast, I just couldn't help myself. I, he would be calling play by play and, and my autopilot kicked in. It happened twice where he's answering a question and all of a sudden the ball's in the air and it's his play by play inning. And then I just like, old school just and there's a fly ball to center field and then i'm like and he's like hey 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 (laughs) get off my turf pal you you owe me a batter and i still owe him two batters by the way well there's so much pride as a play-by-play announcer like i think play-by-play announcers we all just get really excited when we roll a story right into the play-by-play like we've somehow like we've somehow solved electricity or something yeah, uh, like a new form of electricity, that's right? That's cheaper and easier. Yeah. Like it's cleaner, and all we've done is literally say like, "and the two-two." Yeah, like that's it. <clears throat> we've done no. We've said, and with a fly ball to center, and we're like, "Wow, look at the magic we have it's created!" And it's just a segue of conversation. <laughs> hey, I've got a, I've got a question for all three of you guys, uh, and you can speak generically or specifically. What? Is the worst thing that a color guy does go play by play man? What annoys you the most about an analyst? Oh man! Is it when when it when I talk over you when you're trying to no, talk? this is hmm. this is so easy, JD. This is so easy. It's when an analyst has too many rules for dialogue. Like there are things that you can't say to that analyst because it'll hurt their feelings or it'll like fluster them. I had an analyst who I think is a very good analyst doing college basketball like three, four years ago. And during the break, the analyst said, okay, so you say this and that'll set me up for this. And then you go ahead and say that. And I was like, nah, no, we're not. No, (laughs) no. I'll send you the script tonight before tomorrow's game. Then I want you to answer next. Uh, I, I agree. I think any rules generally are bad. JD doesn't have any, which I love. Uh, the fact that I can kind of go anywhere uh, with him. Um, I think the biggest annoyance I have, JD, is just when an, when an analyst won't disagree with you. And you have no problem disagreeing with me. And I love it. I love if you if you have an opinion, you will give it. And I think when all you do is agree all the time, uh, it's, it's, it's not real life. And the broadcast should kind of mirror what the conversations are off the air. Yeah. Len, I what was your chance to tell JD's got really bad breath, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Boog, what, what, what's your biggest pet peeve? I think it's probably cliches, like just an overabundance of cliches because I want to be engaged. You know, I, I like to, you know, to get into the analytical stuff. I absolutely want someone that's willing to disagree. But when you're dropping just a barrage of cliches on me, I kind of, I probably have a tendency to get a little, I check out or, and, or get agitated. Yeah. yeah. But you know, you, you, you have to take it one day at a time though, Boop. You really do. And you have, <laughs> you, have to, you have to stay within yourself too while doing yeah. that. What's your biggest pet peeve from uh, your, your seat? <laughs> 
JD. Yes, I, that's I want to hear this. Oh, yes. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> oh, come on, you asked it. Well, I I, I would say, uh, and the, the, this this goes back to earlier in my career. I hate to pick on the deceased. Uh, I, used, I used to work with Milo in Houston, and and Milo was was very scripted, and and he had very like he would. Uh, he would say something and then he'd point at you like he wanted, now's your time to talk. And a lot of times it would be something that you really couldn't speak to. Like he would, he would rip an umpire and then he'd point at you and he wanted you to jump on board with him. And I, I, I didn't know what to do when I first started. I would tend to agree with him because I was brand new to this and I had no idea. And I go, oh, that's right, Milo. That guy really stinks. Um, and then I had a conversation with, with Larry Durker, who, who preceded me in the booth and before I became the manager. And Dirk said, at some point when, when uh, he was working with Milo and Milo would cue him like that, he would just look at Milo and just shrug, like, I got nothing. I'm not jumping on this train. And I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not going there with you. And the other great Miloism was if you would, and when you're new to this, and uh, I would tend to be, get a little too wordy sometimes, and I'd look over and he'd be drumming his fingers on the countertop, <laughs> just, just looking at me askance on the corner of his eye, like, you've taken up too much time here, Pally. <laughs> My first year, I was doing the pre and post game stuff, and I interviewed Milo. And uh, by the way, alert a crappy Milo impersonation about to come. Um, and I asked Milo to do the pregame show. And I asked him, I, I said, Mr. Hamilton, do you have three minutes for our radio pregame show? And he invites me into the booth, and we finish the interview. And as we pop out, Tommy Hutton is coming out of the home TV booth and he sees Hut. So we're walking down the hall together and Milo looks at Tommy and goes, Hey, Hut, can ask me for a three minute interview? I gave him five. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh, so good. Beautiful. So Jason Benetti is the uh, TV voice of the White Sox for those who don't know. And, um, before you uh, you jumped on as our mystery guest, I asked Boog why you hate the Cubs. I will not ask you that question, Jason, okay? I promise. Answer okay. anyway, though. <laughs> should I use my real voice or the – No, I think <laughs> – Still I think, I think we should let people know uh, that, that there is a rivalry between the White Sox and the Cubs, but on the broadcast level, we all are good friends. And uh, I, you know, I've always – me. I've always appreciated <laughs> – uh, the relationships, and uh, it's going to be interesting this year because, te- what's it, 10% of our games will be against one another, huh? Yeah, I uh, when I get asked about the rivalry, one of the first things I say is uh, I, I grew up being a part of the rivalry, so that's still in me, but there are a lot of people over on the north side who I'm friends with. Uh, I did not know that extended to the broadcast level. That's new. Uh, but I would, I would say... Uh, I love the idea that the last couple games of the year could be for playoff spots for both teams. That excites me to no end for the city of Chicago. And I, I don't think any of us is on board in believing that baseball is going to somehow magically wipe away COVID-19. That's not going to happen. But like to have Chicago versus Chicago Cubs Sox the last three games of the season excites me probably more than it even should. Uh, in terms of calling games remotely, uh, we asked Boog about the KBO stuff. What's your takeaway as you get ready for a unique broadcast schedule? Uh, I'm excited. I'm 
I lo- so the, I think other play-by-play announcers probably don't like me because my vantage point on this leads to us being in worse situations. But like I did, I did three seasons of of football that were produced remotely and had a slight delay on the monitor. Uh, I've you know KBO like Boog has done. I I don't want our situations to get worse. Like I want to be in the ballpark very badly. It's a much better experience for the viewer. But my opinion kind of is bring it on and let's put on good TV anyway. And and I know that doesn't serve our industry as well as like pushback and I have pushed back on things that I think are fair or unfair. But I I do think nobody at home cares about our situation. Yeah. Zero people care about our situation. They want to enjoy the game. And I do think it's our duty to put on as good of a telecast as possible, even if we're the all like the last couple of days we've done Sox games where it's been produced by the scoreboard room and Chuck and I just go for an hour. And if it's not good, it's kind of our fault. So that's that's my stance on it. It's both though, right? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think we all want to do the best television uh, we can, the best radio we can, uh, and 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 do the do the job that that we're paid to do. Uh, but Boog, I, I do have some concerns about precedents being set yeah. uh, in moments like this. Uh, JD and I talked about the Universal DH and whether or not uh, the National League would continue it next year. I don't see any way we're going to go back. I just think that there are a lot of things that are going to happen this year that are going to stay this way, at least for a while. Uh, I worry a little bit about clubhouse access for writers and other people. You know, I I try not to be selfish about it. Um, But do you have any concerns about anything going on this year that could become permanent? All of it. All of it. I think you're 100% right. I think these are cheaper alternatives. Uh, the lack of access. I, look, it's one where I mean, if you guys don't want to say it, I mean, I'll, I'll state my opinion. You know, they may not care, but they should care a little bit because we can do a better job. I, I think that as much as like, and I'm fine taking the bullets on it in terms of, um, yeah, people don't like the media, and, and okay, but we're the conduit, and. You're not going to, if we don't have access, um, you're not going to get the same level um, of connection to your team because you can't be there. So if, if we're not getting clubhouse access, if we're doing the games from home, um, yeah, the fan will suffer. Whether they think they will or not, the fan will suffer. So I, I agree with that completely. Let me, let me just, I agree with that completely. What I what I mean to say is no, we got to embrace it, it. I get it. We got to embrace yeah. it. You can't no, but can't but, but out about it. Right, right. But somebody's got to advocate too, and so it's like advocate our tails off. Yeah. Can I curse on it? No, I'm kidding. Advocate <laughs> our tails off when we're off the air, yeah. and then when the headset goes on, crush it anyway. That's that's kind of my vanity. I, I that's better said than what. Than what I said, but just look. And what I said at first, for sure. But that you know, that's why you jumped in and did a play-by-play in the middle of the game. Can we get that on a T-shirt, Jason? Can you? Yeah, please. Yeah. Uh, advocate when you can. Uh, crush it when you put the headset on. Yeah, you can I'm, print I'm, up like I'm, thirty of those, and we'll send them around to guys around. I mean, the I, but the game's got to, you know, the game's got to continue in that regard. I I do think it's it's just so important. I mean, look, 
we did a spring training game back in March against the Angels where Riz and Bryant were mic'd up. And it was it was really good. And it's the type of thing that even non-Cubs fans, you know, were were saying, wow, that, you know, to to get star level players and that type of insight and being able to humanize those guys. The sport needs way more of that, not less. Yeah, and, and just selfishly, uh, a big part of the enjoyment of this job for me is not only being at the ballpark, but being able to have face-to-face conversations with players and people in uniform. And, you know, I, I've accepted that we're not going to have that this year, and that's totally fine. But, like, if five years down the road we can't be in the clubhouse, that changes the nature of what we do, and it's not as enjoyable. And I hope that we can get back to that as soon as it's safe. And we don't know when it will be safe. I'm with you. And I think as long as we keep advocating, as Jason said, and delivering that message and not making it about our level of enjoyment, because I agree, I won't enjoy it as much either. But, you know, I told the story about doing the A's and the Yankees in the wild card game, and I was standing behind home plate and Brian Cashman uh, was standing there and I started to have a conversation with him. And Billy Bean comes up, interrupts the conversation, shakes Brian Cashman's hand and said, what's up, Cash? You're going to out analytics the shit out of us tonight? And <laughs> that's a, but that's it, man. Like, and then when I tell that story on the air that night, you know, it's this story that happened organically that humanizes Billy Bean, Brian Cashman. It tells the world that Billy Bean is acutely aware as Moneyball guy that the Yankees are in on all that stuff. And that type of thing that, you know, takes up a fraction of the broadcast is just one of those things that just disappears. Nuggets. Yep. Yeah. Little nuggets. Um, I think the other also thing. Also my nickname, by the way. That's my nickname as well. <laughs> Not little nugget. Little nugget. <laughs> yeah. I thought uh, Boogie I th- were going to say that Billy Bean came in and interrupted your conversation. Like, who's this guy think he is? I'm Boog. No. <laughs> that hurts my feelings a little bit, J.D. I'm kidding. Uh, I think we all do agree that that traveling and and being at every ballpark this year doesn't feel right. Uh, I don't want to speak for JD, but JD, would you say that's accurate? If given the option, you still probably wouldn't feel comfortable traveling and doing every game from yeah. every ballpark. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that that's probably unnecessary risk. Um, you know, had we been able to tamp this virus down, uh, uh, like we thought, maybe we could uh, and. Uh, Kudos to the good people of New York, as you seem to have crushed it there, Boog. And we're doing good here in, in Illinois, but there, there's a lot of other places around the country where the, the virus is not under control. So that becomes an issue, um, you know, traveling from ballpark to ballpark, obviously being on the airplane with, with the, the team. You know, they're trying to limit the number of people that, that the players are uh, around. Um, so, that, yeah, that, that's probably a, another layer uh, that we don't need to have right now. Yep. Yep, that seems right. Um, we are kind of running out of time, JD. I know you wanted to get some dirt on me. Yeah, you have you have two people who know me fairly yeah. well, so I'll let you have the stage. Okay, uh, if we could have some theme music, um, gentlemen. <laughs> you both have some history with with Mr. Casper. What, what, what? Give me your, you know, your best lend dirt if if there is any. <laughs> wow. Okay, so mine. I I have never said this publicly. I've never said this publicly, and I can't believe I'm sharing it right now. Um, 
Len, do you, I, I don't know if you remember this, JD, but in 2015, when the the Cubs played the Nationals, we all got together. I had I had sent Len a note and said, "Hey, are you, you going to be around?" Uh, I, I was living in Arlington, Virginia at the time, and we went and we watched the Stanley Cup Finals yeah. uh, at at a Champs in Crystal City, uh, I believe it was, and uh, we all got together. And then, you know, Len and I, our friendship grew from there. Uh, and Len sent me a note a couple months later, letting me know that the Sox job was coming open. And this all has been a clever ruse to get a terrible play-by-play announcer installed in the South Side. <laughs> so he can, he can rule the city. I, can, I cannot believe I'm sharing this. But finally, you know, like in a pandemic, you feel honesty bubbling to the surface. And I just... There were so many better options. And Len said, you know what, this guy, we can pass him off as the right guy because he's good enough. But there, you know, there are a couple levels below really great that we know he'll be. Like he'll go do a math competition in the fourth inning. Who's ever done that? Uh, and, and so this is all, Len is a mole working to sabotage the telecast on the south side of Chicago. And good enough with air quotes. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Fair yeah. enough. Book, yeah. you got anything? Man, I, you know, the one thing that I, it's funny that I do remember is when I got the Marlins gig. I he still, did the same thing with you? Well, no. He, he, um, he flew in and we, we watched the Stanley Cup finals together. No. Um, I, I still can remember Len sent me an AOL instant message saying, Congratulations. And um, I, I seriously, I still remember that. I, oh, I'm trying to think. I, I think that the only dirt that I, that I love to tease Len about was that, <laughs> yeah, he was on the 2003. I, like, I always like giving him a hard time about the 2003 Marlins coming back to beat the Cubs because I just want to make Cubs fans aware that Len was really, really happy. And Mike Mordecai hit one into the gap, and Len was like basically jumping on my shoulders. He was so happy. Yeah, well, <laughs> that happens when you're with a team. Yeah, you want them to win. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, and you still have AOL, right, Boog? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, what's That's up right. with that? I'm old, Len. I don't feel like changing it. Len, can I ask you this? Yeah. Now that you're going to the digital route, what happened to all the five color pens that you used to buy? Uh, I still have some of those. I've given most of them away. Uh, do you need any? You sh- you know what you should do? Like, so when I work games with Dick Vitale, he already, he has a signed picture. So somebody comes up to Dick Vitale and, Dick Vitale, I, and he'll just hand them the signed card. And like, you should, as your thing with cut, like somebody comes up to you and be like, Hey, Mr. Casper, I'm a huge. And then just hand him the five color pen and walk That's away. That's good. That's good. JD would be like Digger Phelps, right? He hands you the Sharpie. Digger Digger hands you an autographed Sharpie. Yeah. Yeah. And Milo, speaking of Milo, Milo always had a stack of his Hall of Fame cards available. Uh, (laughs) That's beautiful. Like like playing cards? Like a a Milo Hamilton jack of clubs? It was like a baseball card with Milo's mug on it, and he'd sign it in HOF, and then he'd say something self-deprecating, like, oh, 20 years, this will be worth a nickel, and he'd hand it over to That's so good. Can I can I ask a quick question? You can. Uh, Boog, do you, Boog, do you still put up away messages? I'm sorry. 
Oh, on, on Instant Messenger. I don't actually use the the. I just use the email. I don't actually use oh, okay. AOL. So nice try, little nugget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A prodigy. Well, we've uh, we've enjoyed this conversation, John Shambi and mystery guest Jason Benetti. Thanks for your time, guys. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank, thank you, time, guys. This was great. <laughs>